but now looking back on it, I was like, it was true. It's like, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way to make it happen. So like, you'll keep fighting. And, and I think that's what's uh, going to find, will help you find success because it's motivation comes and goes. Uh, it's, it's the dedication that keeps you sticking around, coming back day after day. Or when you have, or when you leave and come, you know, you leave for a while and you come back to it and you're at full force again. It's the dedication, so you just have to want it. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to be joining me today as we chat with our guest, Anthony Hong. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And head on over to patreon.com slash Xenia to join the fam and help keep this show going every single week and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes content, and early access for my music and writing. Again, that's patreon.com slash X-E-N-J-A. Your support means the absolute world to me. And now it's time for some shameless self-promotion. Have you heard my new electronic EDM single, Running With Wolves? If not, head over to xenia.bandcamp.com to listen to and purchase this moody, mystical single that tells the story of a lone wolf breaking free of all the external noise to let her inner light radiate outwards. And stay tuned for the kick-ass music video happening soon. Anthony Hong is a stunt performer and actor. His credits... He credits, see, I can't talk, it's fine, Anthony. <laughs> he credits his training in martial arts as the key that's opened doors for him. Anthony toured with the world-famous Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus as a clown. After running away from the circus and joining a town, he realized his skills from The Greatest Show on Earth translated well into stunts for TV and film. Hi, Anthony, it's so hey. good to see you. What's up, Zinya? <laughs> oh, and forever. Oh my God, I know. So I like to start just by uh, sharing how me and my guests have met. Um, so we met at least five years ago is what I think it was. Um, I was training circus arts at the time uh, and you just randomly showed up at the gym one day, I think. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, basically, okay, cool. <laughs> And then you you brought all of your your stunt stuff, and I just remember like training stunts with you and learning how to do stunt falls, and me and Georgia like being all worried about like pointing our toes and like, <laughs> look pretty, and you were like, "Dude, you're falling out of a building. It doesn't look pretty." You made death look good. What can right. I say? <laughs> the best dead looking bodies. Oh death. my god! <laughs> so much. That was so <laughs> fun though. Like oh. I like want to do stunts now because I learned how to do that. Anytime. Come on over. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> get this. 
All right. So, Anthony, can we start with just you as a kid? I mean, running away to joining the circus, that I feel like is often joked of as a dream for kids, but you literally did it. And I'm just just curious to like hear that journey and and, what led (laughs) you there. Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know where to start with that. So basically, the the short version of it is I I was I was doing the acting thing in Boston for a bit and uh, I was just doing extra work and getting little bit parts here and there and working independent films. And then what was it? I was without a car for a while. And then all of a sudden I was looking through the breakdowns, I think on backstage.com and then Ringling Brothers Barn and Bailey Circus was holding a clown college auditions. I was like, I don't know what that is, but it sounds fun. I, I did some circus when I was a kid, so let's go check it out. So I rented a car, drove down. Uh, I, I, I didn't even have a routine or anything ready. Like I was, it wasn't like I was training circus every day, you know, it was like, Something I did when I was like seven to 12 or 13. And then um, I grabbed a bunch of random props. I loaded up a trunk, threw it all in the car, drove down to New York. And then uh, the auditions were at Madison Square Garden. And literally, I I felt so out of place. There were, there were, I think we had 30 people auditioning my year. I think, when was this? 2009 is when I auditioned, I think. I don't know. Too many hits to the head. <laughs> but uh we there were people like who went to like the clown conservatory or they trained for like years as a theatrical clown and i'm like uh i i saw an open door i kind of just walked in i had this big unicycle with me and um everyone's like you know it's a small community so everyone knows each other They're like who are you like, where did you train i was like i don't know i i can juggle <laughs> the long story short, I, I somehow landed a contract and i started touring with them uh i i think it's just because i they could tell like i wasn't a true like trained clown but i think i just showed like i had heart and i could improv on the spot so i, I literally was just like pulling props out of the trunk and just going with it i, I didn't even know what i had in the trunk <laughs> i love that so you actually like trained with them trained their your clowning you did your tra- clown training with ringling yeah, <laughs> official clown training yeah so the, their uh clown college used to be a thing in uh sarasota and then uh or they, they think they, they moved to venice at one point i think in florida and um I think, what was it, eight-week training program? Steve-O went through it. Out of all people, that's kind of weird. Um, but Penn, uh, Penn Gillette, he's gone through the program. But they don't do, uh, like, an intensive clown college like that anymore. You, so you don't get, like, a, a diploma or anything. So what it is is uh, during winter quarters when you're, you're going down to train for the show, uh, that's when you kind of, like, get polished up. So they brought um, a clown, like, coach director, uh, Troy Wonderly. He, he runs Circus Mercus. So we had him as a clown um, director in... Uh, so he, he actually, like, led me down this whole way of, like, hey, this is how a clown acts and thinks. And so I, I learned a lot. So that was, that was kind of the clown college training. But other than that, I don't know. I just, it was just me. <laughs> the clowning was just me. Oh, my gosh. I love that. So I'm curious because you mentioned in your email that uh, you were a shy kid. So, like, what – how how do you go from being a really shy, insecure kid to a clown? Oh, man, I know. 
a lot of people who know me, like you, you're, you, you would look at me and be like, uh, there's no way you're shy. At every, at every party or every group event, you're the loud mouth, you're in the middle of a circle, pulling your pants down. Or, you know, don't, I don't do that anymore, but, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how I was like, to think back, uh, when I was a kid, I was actually super shy. I was afraid of like everybody. I remember my mom took us to like, my brother and I, she took us to the to see Ringling when I was like five or six. And I was like, oh, loud music, let's get out of here. Or like we, would, we would go to like um, a company parties. I wouldn't talk to anybody, but she hated that. And she was like, no, I want to accept it. I don't want a shy kid. So she she like did everything she could. So she made me super, she, basically she put me in uncomfortable situations to make me like overcome it. So she, uh, well, she was like super Catholic back then. I think she is now. I don't know. She doesn't go to church anymore, but. Uh, she she signed me up and volunteered me as an altar boy. So she was like, "I'm gonna put you in front of every like, everybody in the church every week, so you can get over this stage fright thing and be in front of people." And then she signed me up for karate, and, and then she's like, "All right, you're gonna compete in tournaments now and get in front of people and perform." I was like, "Oh man, all right, I guess I have an option here." And uh, yeah, I, I guess I just beat the shyness out of me, and I just kind of got used to being in front of people. Then it. It went the opposite way for a while too, and I was like a show off for a little bit. I, it, looked, it was awkward and cringy when I think about it now. Like, I would wear like my karate uniform out to like every event now, <laughs> or back then. <laughs> I can totally picture you showing up in like full karate getup, just like <laughs> like a sushi restaurant. How can you tell I'm a black belt? You don't. I'll tell you. <laughs> I side note: I was also forced to be an altar server when I was and I hated every second of it. Well, it was all the Jesus crackers you could eat. Not me, <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh, that wasn't a thing? Oh, no one told me, I, I just didn't stop then. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's funny though, that to get over your shyness, like the altar server, <laughs> like being on a stage, <laughs> being yeah. on the altar. Because like, <laughs> so I feel like so not a Catholic thing. <laughs> no. Like I need to be on stage. So I'm gonna be in right? Oh, I hate it. I remember my first day, like walking down the aisle with a cross. I was like shaking, like oh, everyone's looking at me. Don't mess this up. <laughs> One time when I was five or pre-five, I don't remember. <laughs> I was little I was young and my family was the host family uh of whatever mass it was and I like having watched and like gone to church you know how the priest when when he gets like he receives the gifts or whatever I don't go to church anymore but then he'll hand them to the altar servers and they'll take them up to the yeah. to the altar so I thought I was so clever I walk up and I handed it straight to the altar server I was like I'm just gonna skip this <laughs> I'm, I'm the supervisor. They take care of it, all right? Like, I thought it was so clever. And everybody laughed. That's awesome. Like, you know what? Like, it's fine. Well, it makes sense, though. I see you taking all these leadership roles. So, you know, you started young. <laughs> that was the root of it. <laughs> I did. Yes. Okay. Um, so, let's chat about magic. Because... I just, I love magic, and you do magic, and it's so cool. I pretend to do magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's magical than me. I fool myself. Okay, literally, I am the most innocent when it comes to magic. I know nothing. I have no idea how tricks are done, and I don't want to know. You know, like, I feel like there's such a culture of, like, everybody wants to know how every single magic trick is done, and I'm like, 
I do not want to know because it ruins it. Like it's exactly. so cool to watch somebody do like like card tricks and it's yeah. Being full is the best part. I, I, yeah. I it's kind of annoying when you got that one guy that like let me YouTube it. It's like I don't do the tricks that you see on YouTube, buddy. But you know whatever. <laughs> yeah. So how did you even get started with magic? <laughs> oh, oh. At all, it's uh. It's not the Corona cough. It's the card cough. It's, it's been a, it's been a ongoing chronic issue. I know. Ugh, sorry. Leave, leave, <laughs> leave demon. Leave. <laughs> for, for listeners who are not watching this, Anthony literally just spit out a deck of cards out of his mouth, and I, I had no <laughs> freaking idea that that was about to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. <laughs> um, how did I start magic? What, how, what was it? I think the, my earliest memories, I think I was three and four. I got a magic kit from my mom's company. She worked for a pharmaceutical company, and they would do like a Christmas party every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they gave me a magic kit, and I kind of dabbled with that for a little bit. But I think the first time I saw a real magic like in front of me uh, was like my cousin. He did that, you know, the, the thumb trick where he's like, oh, yeah, that thing. But uh, I was like, oh, crap. Um, and around that time on TV, they were playing the uh, world's greatest magic, like on loop, like every Friday, Saturday. Um, so it was a good time to like get into magic. It was just like always on TV. Yeah, Dave Copperfield. Um, and I don't know. I think this is why I'm still the shy kid. So uh, I, I see a common theme with mag- a lot of magicians. They, they're the shy kid and kind of like keep themselves. And so they learn magic and then they use that to break out of their shell and talk to people and perform. So I think that's why I kind of gravitated toward that. And I did that all the way into, I don't know, like early high school, like seriously. And then um, I did uh, events, parties, and weddings and stuff for a bit, uh, some restaurants. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just I, so, Actually, to be honest, I haven't really done magic in the past three years. It's something I kind of like try to, like, it's my escape now from stunts. So, like, uh, you know, you got to do something creative to kind of get off of, like, what's your job. So every every time I have a break, I'm like, oh, let's go learn some magic. And then I'll learn it. And then, like, I don't practice. And it's like, so all the magic that I know now is, like, everything I've learned three, four years ago. <laughs> but that's but you can just still do it like that's so impressive Uh, yeah well that's the best type of magic is when it's unexpected you know like that's what they say like you know like uh if i made a burger appear it's like whatever but it's like if you're starving and then also i made a burger appear it's like it's organic magic where it's like it's unexpected and just happened to be at the right time right place so yeah 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 absolutely um can we get into your quest to not work a nine to five job? Oh man! At me, right at the very moment. <laughs> oh, I feel those pains. Ah, uh, actually, that's how when we met. Uh, I was working a nine to five. I don't know if you remember that. The reason why I even ended up at the circus school and we started hanging out was because I was working for Nesquik. Uh, oh, and- yeah. Right, you remember that? And my warehouse was where where we kept all the stuff. Was I think a mile down the street. And then one day, it was just because, like, uh, it was in Boston, so, like, I would get out around, like, 5 or 6 o'clock, and, like, on the pike, it was horrible traffic, and I would just sit there, like, either in traffic for, like, two hours to get home, or I would just sit in the parking lot until, like, it was, like, 8 o'clock, and then I would drive back, and I'm like, oh. But I remember one one day, I was, like, sitting in the parking lot, I started Googling stuff, and then I found, I was like, oh, circus school's around the corner, no way! And this was after I had already toured Ringling and everything, so I was like, all right, let me pop by, and... 
That's how we met. Started hanging out. Uh, actually, hold on. I still have the Nest Quick money. Aww. <laughs> yeah, a little memento. I remember your bright yellow car. Oh man, I still have that. You do? Oh, yeah. Biggest car ever. I'm gonna crash that thing. <laughs> Why? Like on purpose? Yeah, well, that thing doesn't run anymore. It's like there's no compression in the engine, so I was like, I'm gonna send it off in a stuntman way. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll it over. I think I'm gonna, I gotta set it up though. <laughs> oh, what was the question again? <laughs> He's safe. Um, yeah. <laughs> the question was uh, your quest to not work a nine to five job. Oh wow, wow! I that was a weird detour. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. So my point was, uh, at the time, I was working a nine to five. And I think that was just making me, I mean, I was making a lot of money. Not like, I wasn't rich, but I was working a lot. And I had no time to spend it, but I was also miserable. So I was like, this is around the time I was trying to transition to getting into film full time. Um, and it was just beating me up because I would watch like other people in my position or like in the same level as me in stunts. And they would, they freely go to auditions and workouts and kind of do whatever they want and i was like oh man i'm strapped to this job and like oh there's there's a last minute audition in philly everyone's driving down there today and i gotta go to work so i was like how do i figure out how to do this so i remember like all signs were pointing to just kind of quit because i was just i was already miserable my bosses were yelling at me um it just wasn't worth it and i was kind of like take beat me down like mentally and spiritually so i was like you know what i'm gonna cut back my hours and then I kind of just took the leap of faith and I was like, I'm basically semi-quitting. I'll work when you need me, but I'm not going to be the primary guy to be in the bunny suit anymore. Wow. <laughs> so it's one of those situations where like when you leap the net appears, you just kind of have to trust the universe and process. So that's what happened. Like when I let go, I was just like, oh, all right, now I have all this time to train. I was like, I wasn't making as much money, but I was like, I can train. I'm happier. I can go hang out with other people. I can travel all over the country and train. Um, now I'm free. My schedule is open now. And just kind of like, it was just like a snowball effect. It was like, I put the good out and the good came back. So uh, it, it's not easy letting go because it's nine to five is a safety net. And it's, it's just hard because like a lot of people, well, at least around, people around me, like when you look around, when I look around, everyone works a nine to five. They have a nice house. They have a nice car. You know, they got savings, now they're investing and stuff. And, uh, and I was just like, I, I want to get a burrito with, like, extra avocado and guac today. But, uh, so, you know, it's like, I felt like a loser. And that's that's why I wanted to hang on to a job. Because I was like, I want to afford things and do things like everyone else. But it's like, that's not the way to do it. Just, it, it comes down to business and then your lifestyle. So you got to find in the middle somehow and make that work. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. And it's very scary. But <laughs> yeah. to have heard you say, leap and the net will appear. That's something that I've heard a fair amount in the past couple of months. So now you saying that is like reinforcing. It, yeah. You, okay, it'll be okay. Yeah, it's, like, it's like mumbo jumbo. You think like, you know, like live, love, laugh. Like you're like, oh yeah, you, you, you would buy that at the home goods store to hang it up on your wall. It's like, no, it's, it's real. Trust the process. Just... Yeah. Yeah. Just when you when you focus all your attention on a particular thing and make it happen, it just kind of happens. Yeah. Okay. Ah! Oh, I know how to do it. 
<laughs> I am. I am. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, okay. So I actually didn't know this about you, that you were a street performer. You didn't know that? No. I mean, like, okay, wow. I probably did. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. I forget sometimes, too. <laughs> I forget, like, my life. I'm Like, I forget that I directed all those first night shows. <laughs> I threw away all the records of them, so. Oh, I know. That's why we have photos and video now. It's so bad. I, sometimes I scroll through my phone. And I'm like, oh, I did that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. That's why I take photos every day now. But um, you do? Yeah, I do. I take photos and video because, like, I don't know. It's something about getting older and just memories just starting to fade, and it's kind of sad. I want to be able to look at things, you know, when I'm older, and like, oh, oh that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. And also the whole thing about like how memory is a lot of the times false and how we just like <laughs> like create it and like fill in gaps and it's like Did that really happen or I'm gonna rewrite my own story, okay? <laughs> uh <laughs> so what what was street performing like? Like how do you even start that? Oh man, man oh man. So uh Let's see. So in Boston, we have the world-famous Faneuil Hall. You've been to it, right? You've seen the street performers out there, yeah. So, like, it's a staple. I, I think, I don't know how long the street performers have been out there, but uh, people from all over the world, it's come come and visit Faneuil Hall for the shops, food, and they have live uh, street theater. Um, it's kind of part of the environment and draws people in. So they have different variety acts. You have, like, people play guitar, some people sing, some people play sax. Um, but then I think the highlights of the street performing program there are the uh, variety acts of the guys who juggle do magic escapes um so i remember seeing that when i was a kid and i was like oh this is so sick uh it's just crazy because i i my my family would take my brother and i to trips uh into boston a lot just to go eat and then we would go to faneuil hall and just kind of hang out so i i would watch the shows a lot and i just thought it was crazy that these guys would literally start setting up and then somehow within the span of like 10 to 15 minutes they go from stopping one person, and then all of a sudden you look back and they have a crowd of like 50, and then it grows. And then at the end of the show, you got like 200, 300 people just surrounding them and watching the show. And I was like, whoa, this is magic. How, how did this one person stop and get all the, the, the attention of all these people and and then somehow get money for it at the end? So <laughs> I just thought it was cool. Um, so what happened was I had left Ringling, what was it, 2000. 10, 11, around there. And this is when I started trying to get transitioning from, well, I tried going back into film. Uh, so I was doing the acting thing, but then I started deciding to go into stunts. But in the meantime, I was like, what do I do? Because the last job I had was circus. So I was like, oh yeah, maybe I could take it out into the street and try my hand at street performing. So I went back to Faneuil Hall for a couple of weeks and I would watch the street performers there. And there's one guy, Jason Escape. Um, he does a straight jacket escape act uh where he hangs upside down from a tripod he's like i think 15 20 feet up in the air upside down he escapes out of a straitjacket uh so i i talked to him and another guy named lucky bob uh, who does juggling and these guys like he invited me to sit down uh at the starbucks there and like for like hours uh they would they, they were just like all right what do you what do you want to know so i would ask they i just sat there took notes and i was like all right this is how you build a show this is how you build a crowd uh, this is how you you ask for this is how you ask for that this is how you deliver the hat line you know how you ask for money, um, and I was just like oh man this is crazy so I was learning the ins and outs and I was just like they were giving me tips on where to go because that's important too is location, 
Um, so I didn't, I didn't want to step on their toes or even, I wasn't even ready to, honestly, because you have to audition to perform at Faneuil Hall, um, at the street performer, pro through the street performer program. So I went to Cambridge and auditioned in, um, well, I didn't audition, I, I just set up my show. Uh, I started doing a show in, uh, Harvard Square. Uh, so be before my first show, I talked to those guys for like a few months and then I read a bunch of street performer busker books um, I watched a bunch of videos on YouTube. Um, there's a bunch of street performer, um, festivals, uh, out in Europe. So I, I was watching all that, like Halifax and stuff like that. And so I, I was trying to absorb everything and I would take the best parts of other shows and kind of use like their stock lines. Like there's just lines that most street performer, well, not most, but a good amount of street performers share. And it's just like, you know, it's just like basic dad jokes. So, so you kind of you kind of borrow that, and then when it becomes your own show, you kind of replace that and then make it your own. So I was just kind of relying on the stock lines and my skills. So my my show was like a magic variety juggling show, and I would end riding a I would end my show riding a giraffe unicycle. It's a five and a half foot tall unicycle while juggling knives and then balancing a spinning plate in my mouth. So that was my big finale. But in between, I was like doing juggling and martial arts. Um, so I structured my show, and I thought I scripted it well, but it it comedy comedy is just one of those things where like just because you write it down doesn't mean it translates well when you actually say it. So, so my first show, I was, I came out, I was like I was like I was half sure, I was pretty confident actually. I was like, all right, I got my show, I got my music, I have my props, let's go do this. So I went out. Uh, I think it was a Thursday in the summer which is pretty stupid, <laughs> but <laughs> I tried stopping a crowd and I was bombing my tricks. Uh, I, I dropped like my props. I even like the, the bailout jokes I had, they didn't work too well and things were falling flat. The, nothing was sticking basically. And I was like powering through the show. And then finally at the end, I was like, I took my vow. And then some kid, I think a group of kids, they walk, they, they stopped by for like five minutes and they were like, all right, so I saw one kid dig, digging out of his pocket. He gave me like two bucks. He's like, "Hey man, you know, good luck with your show." I was like, "Wow, two bucks, my first show." So that was like that. That was that was a good kick to the ego. Um, uh, from there, I just I just went back home and I was like, "Oh, what can I do better?" So I reworked the show, and then I had other street performers um, who were working Harvard Square at the time, they they kind of sat and watched. They were super nice. They were welcoming. I I remember when I was setting up one day, uh, what was it? Uh, John Stork, who now works in Burlington, he does a balancing chair act. Um, he sat down and watched my show, and Kilted Colin, uh, who also has a, he has a way better finale. He, he, I think he juggles knives on a six or nine foot unicycle. Um, and he's, he's hilarious. But both of those guys are great. Um, they welcome you with open arms. Like, I, I thought I was gonna, they were going to be like, oh, who's a new guy in town? And, you know, make me go through the ringer and kind of heckle me. And, uh, and it, was, it was total opposite. They were just like, hey, man, uh, you notice this joke didn't stick. Maybe you should try saying like this. Or So, like, they, those guys helped me build the show. And so and I would go back to Jason um, and Lucky Bob, and they would help me out, too. So it was a whole season of doing that. And... Uh, toward the end of the season, I was getting pretty good, and then I, I started performing Newburyport with John. Uh, I would do other uh, events and festivals during during that um, summer, and that's actually how I saved up money to go to stunt school. Nice. Yeah. So you actually like made a lot of money doing that. 
I figured out how to make money doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's nerve wracking though. It's, it's, you're putting yourself out there. Cause it's like, it's such an old school form of entertainment. That's like, that's super old school, you know, like going out on the street and it's live street theater, you know, like, yeah, nobody, cause you're stopping people busy, you know, busy doing something else for the day. And then they're, and you're trying to tell them, Hey, my show is worth it. Come watch this. And then at the end be like, uh, if you think it was awesome, give me five to $20. I've gotten hundreds in the, the hat, too, before. I was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so cool, though. Like, I I love street performing and, it, like, watching street performers. I could never do it myself. Oh, my God. Oh. Um, but it's, I feel like it's it's a way to just, like, be in the moment of life. Oh, yeah. And just enjoy life and experience. And, like, it, yeah, I love it. A hundred percent. Well, have you ever seen, it's, it's basically just improv and just interacting, just being a good, funny human. It's like uh, a lot of the acts who build the shows, they just like literally watch people walking by, like uh, you'll, they'll see like a, a dad pushing a carriage and be like, sir, stop pushing that kid around, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, <laughs> you're just being quick and being in the moment because you have to. Right. Yeah. No, it's amazing. I love it. So, all right. So you were transitioned to stunting. So you went to stunt school. Yeah, 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 I did. No. Uh, it's so yeah. I went to stunt school. It's for some reason in in the stunt world, some people don't like to talk about it. Um, it's because some people they think it's like kind of like an easy in. Um, I'm not really ashamed of admitting I went to stunt school. I I'm pretty proud of it because it's it's a hefty fee to go there. And <laughs> I mean, I I think I took it pretty seriously to save up enough to to go and put myself through it. But I don't regret doing it, and um, so basically there's a stunt school out in Seattle. Um, they run a one-month-long course, and they kind of take you through everything from fighting to driving, high falls, fire. Like It's like a buffet of like most of the basic stunts you would do, or they give you a taste of like everything you, you would probably expect to come across on set. And I think it was one of the best experiences, because if not, I would have had to go seek each skill on my own, which, you know, you, a lot of other people have done that. So some people will start like training with fight guys. And then also the, the, down the road, they'll save up enough money and go take a driving course. And then they'll take a fire seminar. I had everything on one place. And, uh, I just think it was cool to be able to go through all that. Cause then by the time I would see it again, like happen in my career, my, you know, uh, training, I was like, all right, I've been through this. I'm comfortable enough. Let's do it. Yeah. No, I hear that. It's like a one-stop shop. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that's why some people hate on it. But honestly, it's they kept everything safe and they knew what they were doing. So I, I have no gripes about it. Yeah, totally. So you mentioned that your martial arts training and circus training really has helped with that, too. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. I think martial arts is like the key thing that's gotten me through. Like, it's gotten me a foot in the door through like everything I've ever tried pretty much uh like with ringling like my juggling skills weren't that great uh, it's i think what it is is part because i'm built a little bigger and heavier people look at me and they'll be like oh what can he do then all of a sudden i'll start throwing like these acrobatic kicks and then doing some acro and they're like huh he's <laughs> <laughs> defying gravity <laughs> so it's uh i think it's deceptive and so like you know like all the martial arts training i had as a kid i i i well like with circus i already knew how to do the pratfalls and stuff because I was used to falling on concrete as a kid and I was flexible throwing kicks and stuff like that. So I, I think that gave me a leg up because I when I toured Ringling, I was actually America's karate clown. Um, <laughs> uh, 
so I played that up a lot, and then. Um, Are there videos of you? As you know what? It's America's karate clown. They're far and few because it's two thousand nine. Now a lot of you know cameras weren't really on in phones back then, so it's it's a bummer. At least same thing with street performing. I think I have like two videos up on YouTube somewhere, and then there's a couple photos flying. Around. Uh, so I I mean I got to dig for them, but uh, yeah, man, Wait, it's you, you definitely sent me a clown photo. Oh yeah, I think that was a Ringling photo. Yeah. Then yeah, okay, great. We're gonna. <laughs> you will see that. I, I will put it on Instagram. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think just the martial arts training uh, helped. You know, just besides the skill side, it gave me confidence and just discipline, and it's helped me carry myself and you know just build a, you know a decent character that I'm proud of. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's just that's the, yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. I love that. Do you remember when you tried to teach me? <laughs> I don't like do martial arts or like, like fight some fight. Oh, right. Yeah, we did a fight, a fight day. Yeah, that's right. I think I have clips of that somewhere. I got to find that. Oh, Please send those. <laughs> I will unashamedly put them up on it. <laughs> or we can do a new one. <laughs> we'll do a side by side. Yeah. Let's yeah. do a new one. Let's, let's do a new one. I also, did you try to teach me to juggle? So many people have tried to teach me to juggle, and I, I vaguely remember you also trying to teach me to juggle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't do we, it. Spent, we spent a lot of days in that gym. There was, there was a lot of skills being traded. I, I, yeah, I, I still can't do a handstand, but <laughs> I remember okay. trying to I that. can't do anything anymore. Oh, <laughs> lies. I shouldn't say that because most of it I haven't tried. <laughs> sure, come back. I can still do a cartwheel. Um, I can do like basic ground tumbling. I'm sure if I like had the space and like warmed up, I could do it. But I was also like mainly an aerialist. And yeah, I, I was gonna say, if you saw some skills drop from the ceiling, you probably could rock them. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, um, do you have any crazy fun stories from stunt performing? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of them. Not they're usually like stories of things that don't go right. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I can't recall any at the top of my head. I don't know. Usually, it's like a, a bunch of us be sitting around at the end of the day, like a few beers in our hands, and we'll go around, you know. And we'll just piggyback off each other. So some guy be like, oh, yeah, one time I did a driving thing and the brakes wouldn't lock up. And then everyone else kind of just chimes in with their own story. I'm, I'm trying to think less. Oh, I don't know. That's okay. I'll come back to it if I think of one. Yeah. What was um, Mother Android that you wanted to bring up? I haven't seen Is that a movie? Is it out yet? Oh, yeah. So it's a film from Miramax. Um so Mother Android is a film written by Matson Tomlin. And uh, crazy story on this. Uh, so it was, that was one of the last uh, films I just worked on. This, uh, it was actually the first film I worked on during the pandemic. Uh, so I, I, I remember when this all started, I was just like, and things closed down. I was like, there's no way I'm working this year. Uh, and I was like, I just discounted the year. I was just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fall down or do anything for film until like January. I feel it. And then all of a sudden, uh, I was sitting around one day and I got a, um, an email. Some, uh, there's a casting company that they wanted me to audition for a part in mother Android. 
So I recorded myself, sent it in, forgot about it, and I remember the next day, um, or a couple days later, there was a film on Netflix that was uh, premiering called uh, Power, and, uh oh, wait, is it Power? Hold on, I got, <laughs> it wasn't the one with Jamie Foxx. <laughs> it was such a good film, I'm messing this up, Power. Help me out here. Project Power. Project. Woo! It was Project, Project Power, Power, Anthony. I think it was called Project Power. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Thanks for the assist. <laughs> oh, Power is the TV show. Uh, I was talking to the coordinator or uh, somebody who's helping out on the show on that. So that's why it's fresh in my mind. But uh, Project Power. And I remember watching the movie. I was like, wow, this is balls of the walls action. It's amazing. And then at the end, when I was reading the credits, um, Mattson Tomlin, who directed uh, Mother Android, I didn't know at the time. He was the writer of Project Power, and then, so, I went back to the email um, from Mother Android, and that's because I was just perusing, I was like, oh, I wonder what this is actually for, and then I saw Matson's name again, and I was like, what? So, the crazy thing about this was, I met Matson when I think I was like 12 or 13 at a, like a local karate tournament, and I remember I had a camera set up, and uh, we were, I think we were the only two kids competing, uh, not on a team, uh, and people were like crossing my camera and Matson would like go up to people and tap them on the shoulder like, Hey, excuse me. Um, you're, you're standing on the shot right now. And so he's like being my buddy for the day and we became like best friends and after, after the, the tournament, um, exchanged contact. Uh, and then Matson, he sent me some home movies he shot with his buddies and they were like, uh, they're like little like Western movies. They, they were shooting in the backyard in the woods. So I was like, oh, cool. So he sent me like movies over over time, and then um, long story short, he kind of went uh, down the directing route um, through the years because he went to school for film, and then we we lost touch for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, um, I think it was in 2014, um, somebody hit me up and they were like, hey, uh, there's a there's a film in Maine. They need a stunt coordinator. Uh, would you be available to come for like a day or two to come help? And uh, I was like, yeah, whatever, sure. So I came up there, and it was Matson's film for like his, his thesis or something. Uh, so we reconnected on the hit, on that short film, and then he moved to LA and did his own thing. Um, so I just, long story short, full circle. I just thought it was nuts to get uh, a random uh, audition and then somehow end up on Matson's film. So I worked on Mother Android um, uh, as a stunt player on that. So I was on that show for a while i don't know it was kind of spread out but it, it was just cool because that, that was his uh big directorial debut i think and just to be part of that i think it was pretty amazing just to see another kid from massachusetts like chasing the dream and making it happen i was like whoa yeah i love that that's so like synchronicitous too i don't oh, know it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> i think he actually also wrote the new batman if i i'm not mistaken the one with robert pattison yeah, well, so um, if you would like to come on him. the podcast, feel free to connect. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can I can uh, arrange. Um, I have, I'm so great at this. I, it's no, you're great. awesome. Um, so, uh, did you want to plug? Don't look up. Oh, okay. So that was that was that was the absolute last thing I just worked on. So, don't look up. Supposed to be like the biggest film coming to Boston. Um, I don't know. All these shows keep bringing me back to Boston. I love it. But, you know, I, I actually got to work in Worcester. That's my hometown um, for the show. So it's uh, it's supposed to be one of the biggest films since, like, The Departed and 
all the other big films I've shot in Boston, um, it's got like an all-star cast with like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, um, Meryl Streep. Uh, That's a pretty kick-ass cast. <laughs> oh, there's more than that. Yeah, this, I'm just like rambling off the top of my head, but uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say too much about it. I just, I just want to last oh, thing yeah. to one, but uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do got to say that working during COVID, uh, especially in this show, because they were being super safe since they had so many people uh, on the show, and they're throwing away some, not throwing away, they're just, they have a lot of money. <laughs> but uh it's just nuts how safe they were being um, to work like one day. They made us quarantine in a hotel uh, for eight days. So I had multiple days just spread out uh, for the past couple months. Um, so that's been keeping me busy. Yeah. Yeah. My mind is just blown that we're yeah. making movies right now during a pandemic. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I've been thinking about like, because I'm still in Chicago, and I'm just like, I need to get my ass to L.A. <laughs> a, because it's nine degrees right now. Yeah. B, I'm just like, I, I need to be with my people. <laughs> um, but it's also, it's like everything shut down. So, like, even when, when I get there, like. Right. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Eh. Uh, give it some time. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> But you definitely let me know when you're out there. I want I want to come visit. And... Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hopefully, I won't be living in the car. <laughs> I <like> host you. <laughs> if you are, that'd be really cool. I have a back seat. <laughs> I want to see you vlogging every day. <laughs> so here I am doing a truck stop shower in the sink. <laughs> I got one beef jerky stick left and a bag of nuts. This has got to last me for the week. <laughs> Literally though, but like that's kind of my life right now. <laughs> like I sleep on the floor. I have my mattress on the floor. I have this table, and that's it. And I have like a couple of oranges in my. It's <laughs> called being a minimalist. It's it's a new thing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's the spin we're gonna put on it. <laughs> oh man, I'm working toward that. This shirt, I have like ten of these. Just to keep it simple, because they they just minimalists say like you should just have like uh, I follow one guy on YouTube, but he's just like. I have the same five shirts. I've worn them for three years in the same color. It, it, honestly, it makes dressing easy. I just pluck the same shirt. It's like, it looks like I never changed, but whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have decluttered so much because I my goal is to just have all of my stuff in a suitcase and like maximum two backpacks. Oh, and I've got it down, all my clothes. And I'm, I used to love clothes. Like I used to have so <laughs> much stuff. I'm really impressed with myself too. But it's, no, it's just like, if you have like one or two sweatshirts, then it's like, great. I'm going to wear one, this one or this one. Like there, it takes the decision-making out of like all the unnecessary things. And I found that I have so much more energy to put towards like my creative work. Yeah. If I'm not wasting my energy on like what I'm going to wear when I'm <laughs> also not leaving the apartment. <laughs> like, Oh, it's freeing though. You can pack up and leave whenever you can go wherever and you don't have things yeah. holding you back. Yeah. I mean, COVID's holding me back. But well, yeah, that. Uh... <laughs> and like being broke as shit. <laughs> I have no... <laughs> this is where you learn. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I really do. I'm learning Reiki. I'm studying Reiki. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to, 
I have to tell people that I'm doing this, that I actually follow. <laughs> I'm going to get certified to teach Tai Chi. So like, hopefully those will be sources of income. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. When, when LA opens up again, you can come up, go out there and kind of just pitch all that stuff. Yeah. So, and I'm, uh, I'm working creatively, I'm creating music. And then, so when I get to LA, I'll start working on music videos, which I'm so excited for. Yo. Cause that's where my, that's where like my, my real passion is, is directing. So I'm really excited to get to that. Also, <laughs> I'm working on a sci-fi series, the five book uh, sci-fi young adult series. I'm on draft two of book one. It's but... so good. Like I hate writing, but it's so good. So it's worth it. Oh, I got to click the notification bell. I want to keep updated on this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. 100%. That's awesome. I hope, I hope that kicks off. Then you can make that into uh, like a, a film or a show or something. Literally in my query letter, I drafted my query letter today. <laughs> really? <laughs> the end of it, I was like, whenever this happens, like something to this effect. I was like, whenever, you know, when the time comes, I look forward to directing the TV adaptations. <laughs> Yo, yeah. So I'm pretty excited that I'm directing them. You have to, you wrote it. <laughs> right? Well, it's your property. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to be mindful of time. So hey, anything... let's go to overtime. Let's go. All right. Let's go to overtime. Um... Oh, actually, I do want to touch on being broke, though. I, yeah. I I remember being so broke at one point. I was counting change from, like, the couch cushions just to have enough gas money to get to auditions. And, like, oh, man, I would make money stretch. Like, I, if, if there was an audition in New York, I would take the bus down. Then I would sleep on the bus, and then, like, if I didn't catch it, I would just sleep on the benches or something. So I've, I've done many of those. Or Yeah, because I didn't have a car for a year or two while I was, like, street performing, so that sucked. Um, I would have to take the bus from Worcester, get to South Station, then take the uh, the T into Harvard Square. So, like, whatever I made that day, I had to make sure I calculated enough money, make sure I had enough money to get home. So it was, it was yeah, counting change in every dollar, it's... It sucks, but that's why I kind of meant, like, I was saying, like, you know, that's where you learn. You get resourceful. Like, how do you make something from nothing? And I was thinking about that today because, like, when I first started, like, helping out doing uh, action design and some, like, short films and independent films, I remember I had, like, one panel mat, one, like, folding panel mat and, like, I think two sets of elbows and knee pads. And for some reason, I would help. I would get through the day and make the shot, shot list happen and... Now I'm thinking about it, and I have a trailer full of mats. I have all this equipment, but I'm like, I feel like I never have enough still. But it's just like thinking back on it, I was like, I had a, I had a crappy Mazda six. I shoved one panel mat, and I still made it happen with just a few pads. So it's like, I know you get creative, and I think, I think, uh, I, I, I like my route. How I started from like the bottom up, um, just working on the crappy little uh, shorts that had no budget. Because then you got to figure out how like, how do you help these guys get the bang for their buck? Like they want they want to fight and they they want this guy to get stabbed in the neck and then he's bleeding out. Like how do you how do you sell that with I don't know uh, a hose and a uh, pump and some corn syrup? You know <laughs> um, stuff like that. So yeah, because I, I think people who have it like handed to them or they just have it figured out, you you don't appreciate what you have when you get there. So like. Mm. Now that I'm looking back on things, I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm glad I went through all those times. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking about, like, my music videos, too. Like, they're so ambitious, and I'm like, I 
I have no idea. Like I personally can't make it happen all by myself. So it's just like, I have, yeah, I have no idea. And then I feel bad because I'm like, well, I want to pay people for their time, but (laughs) how do I get funds for this? And like, and then at the same time, it's like, where would I even debut them? Because like, I want, you know, I don't just want to like make it and then like slap it up on YouTube for nobody right. to see. <laughs> you have like three views. It's like, oh, we worked on that for like six weeks. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's how you do it. Uh, just create and put it out there and you just get better. I, I what was There was like some study I was, I was uh, listening, uh, some podcasts that were talking about like, they had us, uh, they split the two groups uh, where they had to make a clay pot or something. I forget what it uh, exactly was. But one group had, they had, I think a month or six weeks to make the, the perfect pot and then the other group their assignment was just literally every day just to make a pot doesn't matter how good or they just had to make one so i think in the end um the group that had to make one every day actually had better pots than the other group because they they were just doing it every day they would learn from their mistakes and craft and learn where the other group was just kind of like working on that one thing and they just look, wouldn't see mistakes and they just kind of like in their small little box and frame of mind so they wouldn't see it um so i i think it's just a numbers game just keep doing it like i mean uh so that's what we uh, like me and my my stunt buddies like on our days off even though we work uh we'll get together and shoot um like tests for practice fights uh, it's literally just a bunch of friends getting together and we're like hey let's think of a loose concept and we'll get in the we'll go to the park or the forest and uh we'll work up to this beat and then i want to use a pipe right here it's just for us to like exercise and get creative so it's like when we're ever on set and then the stunt coordinator is like hey I need, I need uh, a piece of choreography for the hero to fight four guys. Can you guys come up with something? And while he steps away, we create something on the spot and then make it presentable and like make his the sun corner's life easier and just you know kind of help the day go smoother. Um, so it's just yeah, and on top of that, so we we just shoot a bunch of stuff. We put it on YouTube. Some some fights aren't that good. <laughs> Sometimes they flop and they get twenty views and. We'll get like hate mail, uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, other fights will, you know, they'll get uh, they get a ton of views, and you know, it'll be something we're proud of. But it's just, it's yeah, it's just a numbers game. Just keep doing. Um, I forgot one of the fights. I mean, so like the guys who do John Wick and stuff, like they find a lot of their talent on like not like a good amount, but like you know, a decent amount of uh, people through YouTube just watching their videos. So like. It's not all for nothing, you know, just create and put it out there. Yeah, totally. What's what's a day on set like? I'm just curious, like as a stunt performer. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I want to give you like the real answer or, or the uh, the Hollywood answer. You both. You both. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you I'll give you the real answer. It's, it's really more of a joke, but it's uh, you, you basically check in, sit around all day, eat some snacks, get punched in the face, fall down, go home. <laughs> That's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of waiting on set. Uh, it just, it just depends what it is. Cause it's, it's not, you know, you don't show up. It's not about you. It's not, it's not the Anthony show. When I show up to set, I'm, I'm just a little speck in the sand. Um, just a piece of the puzzle. So, I mean, they got to get through all the scenes first and coverage of everything else. Then they'll, they'll plug me in. Um, but it, it all depends. It depends what you're doing. Um, sometimes you'll get brought in a day ahead and you'll do rehearsals. Um, if it's like a longer fight or they, they have to rehearse like more moving pieces, like there's a car crash and they want people running away and this car needs to flip over here and land over here. Um, but I mean, typically it's just, you get there and then, um, they usually 
they they film the establishing stuff. Um, they they try to shoot the actors out first because their time is money, <laughs> so they want to get them in an hour. Sometimes they'll shoot our, our stuff first and bring them at the end. But um, yeah, it's just honestly, I I think the the short answer is just a lot of waiting around. <laughs> it really depends on the day, though. It's like one of those like hurry up and wait kind of deals. Oh yeah, big yeah. time. Uh, but some sometimes it's the opposite. Like it'd be like a. I worked on another movie called Free Guy that uh, shot up in Boston. Uh, it's with Ryan Reynolds. Um, there was a ton of stuff going on that day. There was like a guy falling out the window, uh, some driving stuff. The guy was getting lit on fire. So it was like every we we're all working as a team. So we we're just like bouncing around everywhere. So there's no time to sit down or even take a break to eat. Um, yeah, just it all depends. Yeah, I love that. Oh my goodness, and I, I I've. Uh... Now I want to light somebody on fire. <laughs> I like thought of how that could work just now. So, Dream it. We'll make it happen. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, because I'm in talks with some with some people uh, already. And I'm really just like, I think I just need a producer because I don't like all of these like business type things. I just want to be <laughs> it would It would be helpful to get a producer because then you can focus just on the creative stuff and you don't bring yourself out getting locations and people yeah. and money. Yeah, that's what a producer does. Like, I know nothing. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the producer's kind of, it depends what, some, sometimes you have a producer who just basically funds everything. They they, they never really set foot on set. Uh, then you have uh, producers who, like, handle uh, crewing everybody up uh, and get, securing locations and funding and making sure deals are, deals and contracts are done. Uh, they're more the logistics. They're, they're basically the people who drive the the film or project. Uh, that's why they make the buku bucks at the in the back end. Yeah. It's a lot of work. I would never want their job. I hate it. I you know what? It was on my list for a little while, and then as as I started learning more and more, like he's <laughs> does, I'm like, you know what? This is not for me. So cross them that right off. <laughs> the thing is, I could see you doing it because you're so organized and you are a people person, and you know, like you 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 don't lose your cool when things go wrong. I, but you know, honestly, I, I see you more in the director role because you you are more on the creative side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do both. I mean, I would I would try both. I've I've done pretty much every position. Um, honestly, I worked as a production assistant. You know, like the people who get the coffee and uh, stop pedestrians from walking on the sidewalk. That sucks. I've worked as a like a shuttle a shuttle driver. Uh, so I have appreciation, uh, an appreciation for like all the departments, and I, you know, like when you work, walk on a set, it's it's basically like a family. So I, I think it's the wrong mentality when people are like, my my department's the best department. Without without wardrobe, the film would never be made because no one would ever look stylish or or a camera department. And like, oh, without the camera, the film wouldn't exist. It's like, no, no, we're we're all we're all in this together. Like, <laughs> yeah, one department is more important than the other. Oh, totally. I also yeah. need a I need a camera person. That's <laughs> not where my skill set is. I'm basically like for these music videos, I'm meshing uh, like a Cirque du Soleil tile type show with yeah, hey. theater, like a black box theater. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah. So, but I, but I, and then like with film, <laughs> and, like I don't, I don't have that camera eye. So I have like the vision in my mind, and I'm just like I need somebody who knows cameras, who <laughs> also can work with me in, like, my inability to explain anything. <laughs> I, I have a list of people, so, yeah, we can talk about that, and I can help you crew up. 
Yeah, let's definitely chat about that. Yeah. Right because listeners <laughs> are going to be like, why are they still yelling? <laughs> but yeah, no. I totally was going to say something and then I forgot. Oh, man. I know. I know. It's been happening. But it's, it's like right there. Like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was it was it something along the lines of do not try this at home oh she missed the trick <laughs> oh did you do it oh i did <laughs> no oh, oh. Okay, do another one do another one i'm oh my god no <laughs> come back to life but i'm back i'm back <laughs> thrown by the cards coming out of your mouth because uh, <laughs> it goes in your mouth <laughs> don't actually tell me <laughs> but like will I when I go back and watch this will I see it I don't know you tell me I hope not, not. <laughs> <laughs> probably not because I'm the most oblivious <laughs> I swallow a deck of cards every day just to do this okay I, I don't think you'll catch anything <laughs> it's fine yeah it's fine it's cool Ugh. I, you know what? I tried juggling. This is just, we're going to get into me just being random. <laughs> Let's go. I tried juggling a couple of years ago. Like, I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I got this. It's going to be great. I had one time where I had 20 throws and catches. The only time I've ever done it. That's pretty impressive. I know. I was so proud of myself. And you should have got on video, threw it on TikTok, and call it a day. Oh, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not either. I, I'm, I'm trying to learn all that. I can't. I can't with, with social media. I have Instagram and that's it. I, And I'm probably going to have to get on social media, like more social media because of just like the arts and where I'm going and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm dreading it. Got to spread the word. I, I, I don't. <laughs> it's so bad for my mental health. Like I hate oh, it. Oh, hundred percent. It's it's you gotta do it in doses. So what? A lot of people don't realize what I do is I I just post and go, and so I'll come back every now and then. And I'm like, oh, there's like fifty to eighty messages I haven't replied to, but it's like I don't check on anybody's stuff because it gets it gets depressing because like social media is designed to suck up your time because it's it's for like the ad agencies to rack up like their views. But yeah, it's just it's depressing. So I think if you use it correctly, like. I, I think social media is great. Like, um, it's a good way to connect. And like, I, I, I watch other stunt people's like fights and stuff. They put out. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. They're trying out some cool wire work stuff. Maybe I can do that. But then it can get depressive where it's like, you start comparing yourself to others. And I think that's where the danger is. But, yep. So I just my policy is post and go. I actually took a little break for a while because I was just like, I can't do this anymore. It's just it feels like work. <laughs> yeah. I, oh. I just like I just like sharing pieces of my day because honestly, I, I'm really bad at keeping up with people. So like. I'll post like a motorcycle ride and other people be like, oh, you're back in town? Oh, let's go riding here. So that's, that's the real reason why I do these things. Yeah, yeah, totally. I have a theory that the black screens of iPhones and like computers and, and, and tablets and everything is actually like, there's something that it does to the brain where it like draws your eye and it draws your focus. It's like, it's like a void. But then it like, but that drawing your eye actually makes you then want to check your phone. Oh, okay. I, I see. don't know why I have this theory, but I do. And I'm, I'm just saying that I'm correct. So I literally, I flip my phone. Like if I have my phone next to me, I'll flip it. So this is what's up. So that I, yeah. don't, 
I don't like it doesn't draw my maybe I'm just weird but no no, no. I think you have a point because honestly I, I do that during the day too if I'm at the gym I'll see the phone like facing up I'm like oh any notifications maybe you got you got a thing going on maybe it's like a black hole and just draws you in and sucks all your time yeah because then it's like and it's like I noticed so I have the Apple Watch too because must be nice um, <laughs> years ago when i was not uh financially responsible however i like oh, it yeah. um, but i got it specifically because i was i don't i didn't want to be repeatedly like checking my phone for notifications because it was get i was getting obsessed about it and so if when i had like the i the the apple watch it just it would buzz on my wrist and then that's how i knew and I, my mental health was so much better. Like it, my mental health is not is not good in in any realm of the universe. <laughs> but it was so much better, and like my focus was better. And I, so yeah. Yeah. About that theory. <laughs> <laughs> so much time in the day. We gotta make use of it. Social media is not one of them. No. Yeah. And it's just like, for me, the other side of that too is like I overthink every single post. Oh, when, when you're posting personally. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like, perfect thing. It, like my most recent post is like some random photo and I captioned it IDK. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm working with a branding coach uh, or like a career coach and we're working on my branding and stuff like that. Um, Are you going to make t-shirts? If you do, I want one. I think I will eventually be making t-shirts. I basically, I want to create the Zenpire. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, love it. <laughs> oh, I've said it here. So now the universe, it's going to be a thing. It's fine. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe, maybe podcast t-shirts whenever the name of this is chosen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I hope, I hope. My my sci-fi series that'll have t-shirts. Yeah, I, I just love t-shirts. I, I I'm, I'm only writing that because a psychic told me it was gonna be my thing, and I was like, well, I should probably see if she's right. So, <laughs> it was the most random thing. Like you still have her number. What you still have the psychic's number? Like you know where to find oh, yeah. her or him? Yeah. And and it wasn't. I didn't even know she was a psychic. She's a friend of a friend, and we randomly met um, in LA, and we were out to soup. <laughs> We were out for sushi, me and my friend and, and the psychic and another mutual friend. And uh, and I was telling her about this poetry book that I'd written and self-published like a year and a half ago or so. Yeah, I remember that. What? I, I remember when you, 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 it was like on Amazon, right? Yeah, it's uh, no longer available, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I had one of those moments where I'm I question everything about my life and I'm like, I'm terrible. I'm worthless, and I just delete everything. So. <laughs> uh, um, but anyways, I was telling her about it, and she was looking at it. She's like, "This isn't for kids, right? Or like like teens, right?" And I was like, "No." Um, randomly, I just was like, "But I had the uh, this idea for a sci-fi series," and she goes, "Oh, that's what it is. That's going to be your thing," and I was like. What? <laughs> at this time i had basically written it off i was like i want to be a rock star i don't <laughs> so i so her telling me that i was like oh but now she didn't give you a date when this is gonna happen that would help <laughs> I, yeah oh my gosh i i 
I have a full draft done. I'm on draft two. Like now having written it, gotten all my characters, like I have all the all five books planned. It's kick ass. I'm so excited. You need to be in the movies. Like (laughs) they're totally going to be action adventure. Let's do it. They keep me behind the scenes lately. I'm too ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I don't know why I said, I don't know what tangent that was but it's fine i don't know i want to know more about it (laughs) it's all right i'll give you the synopsis so i want to submit it to uh penguin publishing company they have a it's called daw books and it's specifically for like sci-fi and you don't need an agent to submit so Uh so i i i don't understand how any of that works and i don't know what goes on your mind i'm not that creative that's why I fall down. You 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 do the writing and I'll do the falling. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Wait, what happened? Did you lose me? No, no, no. I had to switch back to because we still have to do our final five speed round questions. Five. But I uh I I'm a mess. It's fine. No, you're fine. I, 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 there's one problem though. Oh gosh. Yeah, with the the whole synopsis. Oh no. Yeah. I see a hole in the plot. Round two! I hope my buddy watches this. He, he's always like, do the donut trick! I've done it twice now. <laughs> no, just kidding. There's, there's, that synopsis was excellent. I just wanted to work that trick in there. Oh, you're totally fine. I'm so insecure that anytime anybody is kidding about something wrong, I'm like, what um, do you do? No. <laughs> no, it sounded awesome. Sounds like an adventure. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. And I feel like though it was that a good synopsis though because it it definitely doesn't cover like what the books are going to be about. Like like that's the backstory. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you you teased enough where I'm like, "All right, I want to know more." Okay. But then again, I'm not a writer. I you're really good I, to think of concepts and storyline and words. Not me. So much. <laughs> That's what I love about it. The actual sitting down to like type, I it's such a drag. I go through all of the stages of grief and then I like <laughs> a dance party. And then I'll write like I'll write like a sentence or like a chapter title and I'll be like, I need to reward myself because this is great. We're taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> like you, the actual writing is not a thing. But you I order do. some Chicago deep dish pizza to console yourself? I don't like deep dish pizza. What? New York style. That's greasy, cheesy, thin crust. That's what I want. I liked you at one point. So I'll let you know that. <laughs> I need you to air airmail me some New York pizza. Oh, uh, I mean, you guys can do that though, right? Giordano's or whatever. They, they send pizza through the mail. They're bad? Giordano's is so bad. Their thin crust is so bad. It's not. Oh, no, no, no. The deep dish. You don't do thin crust. I, I saw that. <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> Look, you send me a pizza. I'll see what I can do. Oh. <laughs> I'll send you like a Grubhub, like Uno's pizza. <laughs> Uno's is deep dish. It's not deep enough. If doing our music video, we'll buy pizza. All right. <laughs> deep dish, though. <laughs> in in LA where they don't have gluten. <laughs> That's right. It's not existent there. Yeah. Which is like fine because I'm basically gluten intolerant, so like I shouldn't be eating pizza anyways. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> 
Wait, I probably shouldn't say this since we're still recording, but I'm going to anyways. <laughs> Didn't you see that Stephen got arrested? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, yeah. No fucking time. Oh, my God. I, 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 it was weird. I sent him an email. I think I sent him an email by accident, like, three days before that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know where this is gonna go now. This is. I'm following though. It's interesting. You are okay. You can keep me updated because I don't want to follow it because it brings up too much. Because I'm oh. just like, I lived this. <laughs> so oh, yeah. But let me know how the actual trial. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll keep you in the loop. <laughs> yeah. I did, my cousin sent me the article, and I was just like, wait. See, like I was so caught off guard. I was like, I, I, oh, I, I did not expect him to ever be held accountable. So, oh man, it's crazy. It was blowing up, and all, all the rigor forums. I was like, oh shit. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's I, oh, freaking nuts. Yeah, yeah. Do people like? But like, do they believe it, or do they not? Do they like? I don't know. Um, it's like, it's like two camps. Some people just can't. They're like, oh, I, I never saw this coming. The other, the others are like, no, I've trained there, and yeah, it's about time. I've, see, I've seen this. I, I mean, I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, just because I was a victim of his, like, I can totally like validate that he kind of wild, but yeah. Oh, let's talk about that. Really, like, talk about because I just peaced out. I just left. Oh, and was that the reason why you left? He just ghosted everybody. Yeah. Oh. I like realized it somebody actually had to tell me because I was so brainwashed and so gaslighted by him. And having come from another household where like I was t- already taught to question my reality and question everything that's happening. Um, I didn't even know. I mean, like I didn't I didn't know that he was Yeah, you, you couldn't see it because you were in it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it literally had to be pointed out to me. Um and I just, I just left. Like I, I literally left all of my stuff there. I just didn't go back. Um, and I, I, I was so afraid that people wouldn't believe me. Like people at the gym wouldn't believe me. And I, I was still like, I, I like, I don't want to in my weird, I don't even know where this was coming from. But I was like, I don't want to like ruin their relationship with him. Oh, like, he, I, yeah. It was so bad. So I just, I just stopped talking to everybody and I'm, I'm sad because I like, I loved everybody there. Like we were such a family. I know you're a fixture there. (laughs) And I, and I just don't like, I've connected back with Noah and Charlotte. Oh, cool. They're the only two. And even so we don't really talk as much as like we used to. Yeah. There and everything. But yeah, I, yeah. So I know. This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want, I want to talk more about this when we when we cut. I'm not recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. All right. Um. Well, we're well over time, which I don't care. But what? I charge by the hour. <laughs> I'm sending you deep drifts. That's <laughs> done. So let's jump into our final five speed round. One. What's your favorite favorite form of magic to perform or do? That one. What did you do? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how deep to go into these questions. Uh, I, I love close-up magic. Usually 
things that don't involve cards, because I think it's weird when a magician walks up to you and go, goes, pick a card, because it's such an unnatural object. Um, I, I usually like to do things with food, and, you know, like donuts, and uh, I, do, I do things with Sharpies. Um, uh, like, I, I take a, I draw an X on my hand, and I can make it disappear, and then go on somebody else. It's stuff like that, just uh, things that aren't cards, basically. I try to stay away from them. And yet, you opened with a card. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, cringe. But you know what? That, <laughs> I'm going to post that on Instagram when I put on our That blew my mind. I was not expecting it. Like, I literally screamed, it's fine. <laughs> uh, what's been one of your favorite films to work stunts on? Uh. Oh, so many. I mean, I can give you the generic answer. Every film is different. It brings a new set of experiences and challenges. Uh, uh, if I had to pick, maybe uh, I would say Ghostbusters. Um, that was, that was I think, 2015 when we filmed that. That's uh, one, it's one of the biggest reasons why it's one of my favorite films to work on is because that was when I kind of started making it as a stunt guy. Um, I was working steadily on that show, and, yeah, I got to drive a few different cars, and, yeah, it was, it was just a fun time. I love that. What is one piece of advice you have for someone who wants to pursue the arts instead of regular jobs? I'm asking for a friend. Just <laughs> uh, do what you love. I know that's generic, but honestly, if 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 you if you do what you love and you just put time and effort into it, somebody's gonna pay you for it. There's a market for all of that. It's crazy, like. Uh, small things, just like uh, I mean, one of the biggest YouTubers. It's, it's a kid reviewing toys. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> all he does, like, he's doing what he loves, just reviewing toys. And it's like that's, I mean, some or there's like Lego uh, companies, like you know, you can you can play with Legos and uh, get hired to build Lego sculptures for events and stuff. Like, there's there's literally a market for anything. So whatever it is, find it, do it, love it, fall in love with it, and just do it. Because like honestly, stunts, it's. It's just a mixture of everything I love to do. I love riding motorcycles. I love, I love um, playing with wires and figuring out like the science behind the rigging and stuff like that. I love driving. Uh, I love playing with fire. So I get paid to just do all the things I want to do, anyways. <laughs> I love that. I love it. What is uh, one piece of advice you have for someone who is more introverted but also loves performing? Uh, oh man, this! I know we were bashing social media earlier, but I, I think it could be a good tool for uh, performers or introverted. Because then, I mean, even around right now, because like you can't perform live for people anyway. So it's like all these like Zoom circus shows, Zoom magic shows. Uh, I'm seeing like I know like some of the old school magicians are were bashing like, oh, there's the the Instagram magicians, but it's like now they're hopping on board performing on Instagram too, because it's like you're really just performing to the camera and then you're putting it out to the world. So it's, it's not as bad, you know, whatever it is, put it out there. Um, I mean, there's a medium for it now. So I, I think, I think technology in that sense has been great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question. What is one of the most valuable takeaways from your journey? Oh, uh, this was, a. so this is something, uh, David Boucher who ran the stunt school, he told me, cause like, I remember looking around the room and there's, there's 60 of us in the course uh, at stunt school. And I was like, man, everyone's super fit and they, they got muscles and they're like super cut. And I'm, I'm, I was like, I think I was around that time. I was pretty heavy back then, but I was like, oh, I'm a little pudgy. So I, I, I pulled him, I pulled David aside. And I was like, Hey, um, 
I want you to be straight up with me. Like, do you think I really have a shot at this? Because, I mean, who's going to hire the fat guy? And then he, at the time, I thought he was just, like, yanking my leg here. He was just like, he get the, the, all he said was, you, you, can, you can have whatever you want. You just have to want it bad enough. And I was like, whatever. I love that. Thank you so much for chatting with us, Anthony. It's been absolutely amazing to connect with you. Um, family, check out Anthony on Instagram, at ActionAnthony. Uh, you can see him in Mother Android and upcoming movie, Don't Look Up. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time. <laughs>